Hello, everyone, and welcome to Matcha Mentality. I'm your host, Ali Yang, and I know I've been bad. I missed an episode last week, and I definitely could have published one. I literally just was not prioritizing the podcast because I sort of went on a bit of a bender when I came back to Boston, and I was just I was just not having it. And honestly, like I'm only six episodes. This is literally my sixth episode, and having a podcast like literally as small as mine and with the content that's not even that great. It's like still, it's a lot more work than I anticipated low-key. And I mean, it's fine. Like I honestly enjoy the process of recording and editing and stuff. But like, damn y'all, like don't under, I really was underestimating all these huge podcasters and thinking like, wow, starting a podcast can't be that hard. Yet here I am, can't even keep up. But I don't know, it's still kind of nice to still feel like I'm talking to people and imagining that my podcast is having some sort of positive effect on people. I don't know. I digress, but I'm going to continue it. Don't worry. And this week's episode is a continuation of the resolution series that I wanted to do for January. And this week I am talking money. And I was heavily reconsidering discussing this because I realized that this tub that this topic can be a bit touchy for some people. It's generally not something people like to share, but at the same time, I think could be really helpful for people who might have absolutely no idea where to start with their financial journey. And oh, also the second thing that made me reconsider recording was that I realized how little I actually know about money and how to handle money. But then, yeah, I was like, you know what? I know a lot of people who are way more clueless than me. And I don't mean that in a condescending way, just from like what I've heard about people tell me. And they're just like, I have no idea what investing is. I don't know how to open a retirement account. So if you're clueless and you want to be just a little bit less clueless, this episode is for you. And again, just a disclaimer, I am by no means certified to be giving any sort of financial advice. These are just things that I've learned myself through the years and also from my own research that I've done on the internet, on YouTube, from books, from other people. And everyone's journey is different. Just because I'm doing something does not mean that you have to be, but these are just, again, Things that I've learned along the way. Okay, so I'm going to start out by talking about my financial journey from the very beginning until now. It all started when I got a debit card at the age of 16 from my mom, as a lot of teenagers do at that age, because most people don't really have income by then. And your parents are like, you know what, you should use this in case of emergencies, blah, 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 blah. So I would take a debit card with me when I went to the mall, when I went to the city, when I went basically anywhere. But, you know, it kind of wasn't great because, you know, when I when you say when my mom says emergency, like I kind of I really just twisted that word like I, you know, like Hollister jeans that that was an emergency to me. 
you know? So that was the birth plate. That was the beginning of my horrific shopping habits. But anywho, then I got a job at the age of 17 at a grocery store. I was a cashier, like I was kind of cute, whatever. And I was making minimal income, like minimal as in $9.25 an hour taxed also. So less than that. Oh my God, I hated that job so much and I was barely making any money. But even so, like having just that little bit of spending money, I got my first taste of what it felt like to make your own money and spend it. And it felt really great. At 17, I was like, wow, this is so exciting. And then now here I am at 21 being like, wow, this is depressing. But when I was 17 at that job, I wasn't really thinking that much about the future and in terms of saving, I wasn't like, I need to put it all in a savings account for, for college, for my textbooks, for rent, stuff like that. And that's mainly because I'm just spoiled as hell, very privileged, and my mom pays for everything at that point. But when I got to college, I decided to open my own bank account at Bank of America, not for any specific reason, they're just really popular in Boston, I guess. And I had gotten a part-time job at a cafe, and I also would need my own bank account for when I went on co-op, so I had a checking account and a savings account, and I strategized my spending and saving plan very loosely because I didn't really know how to manage the, the little money that I made at that point. I just knew most of it should go into savings, and I should use just a little bit of it for spending in my checking account. And... I didn't have any budgeting plan. I I kind of tried to keep track of my spending, but you know, did I really adhere to a limit? No, not really. And that's not a good way to go. So, after I sort of got a sense of how much I was earning and how much I was spending, I was able to get more specific with my planning. And also got a little fancier with the, I guess you would call them, tools in my financial repertoire. So the first thing I got when I had a little bit more money, I was like, I think it's time that I get a credit card. And if any of you are listening and you do not have a credit card, Honestly, stop listening to this podcast right now. Go to your local bank, website, whatever, and get one. Because you need a credit card if you want pretty much anything in life. If you want to buy a house, if you want to buy a car, anything related to being an adult, you're going to need a credit score to verify that you have like good spending habits and you pay your bills on time basically and there's different types of credit cards there's cash rewards credit cards there's travel rewards credit cards there's probably other types but those are really the only two that are pretty popular and once i got a credit card i barely used my debit card because i don't i forget where i heard this but i was watching a video by some financial finance guy and he was like debit cards are literally so pointless 
use your credit card because you want to show that that like you're able to pay your bills, you're able to, you know, manage your money well. Additionally, you can also use credit cards to earn points or you can even use it to like buy stuff and just redeem it for a lot of stuff. And there's also other perks like some of them offer discounts on certain brands and for shopping and stuff. So there is literally no reason for you to not have a credit card is what I'm saying. The next thing that I looked into was a different savings account. So I had been just keeping most of my money in my Bank of America savings account for probably like two years since I'd opened it. And then I started hearing or reading about high yield savings accounts. And it just makes so much more sense to put your money in a high yield savings account versus keeping it in a low interest savings account. And basically the difference between the two is that high yield savings accounts, as you can probably guess, have a higher interest rate and you therefore earn more interest on the money that you have in there. So for example, I have an American Express high yield savings account and then I also have my Bank of America savings account. The American Express one has an interest rate of, okay, it used to be like, 1% and then COVID hit and now it's like 0.6%. But still, that's much higher than my Bank of America one, which is 0.01%. Yeah, so 0.6% versus 0.01. That's sort of of a massive difference. And especially if you're putting a lot of money in there, you're going to earn more interest, obviously in the one that has a higher interest rate. So I would recommend it Again, not a must, but it's just like, why wouldn't you, you know? And it's not that hard to open one. So you earn like a couple dollars of a difference between the two. And that might not seem like much, but over the years that will accumulate, you know, like that again, that's literally just free money. So I would definitely recommend looking into that if you if you want to. And then after that, The next two things are, I think, the scariest to me still and are things that I kind of hate thinking about. And they are investment slash brokerage accounts and retirement accounts. So investment and brokerage accounts are basically for investing your money. So if you're opening an account at like Fidelity or Charles Schwab, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, etc., you can basically put your money in the stock market. And what's great about these accounts is that most don't have account minimums, so you can put in as much or as little money as you want. You don't have to have like a bajillion dollars to open one. And I'm not going to talk much about stocks and how to, you know, and put your money in stocks because again, like not something I'm super educated on. But if you're just starting out, just putting your money in an index fund, that is such a great way to start out. Like they're not super high return, but you can still make a lot of money from it. So like I started out putting a lot of my money in index funds and I've honestly been able to make a decent amount. Like you might not make as much as you would if you were to invest in stocks, but of course stocks have a much higher risk and you don't really know how they're going to perform day to day. But index funds are safer because there's just, 
it's it's rather stable it's not as volatile and investing is or investing has become very much a hot topic in recent years because people are realizing the power of investing your money and making it work for you if there's one lesson that i've learned from all the finance videos and books and articles that I've read, it's like, it is so important to make your money work for you and not just let it sit there in your bank account. So I know it's hard right now because of COVID and like the stock market is in a very unusual place right now. So it might be a little bit scary to put your money in there, but if you do enough research and you're willing to take that risk, then it is definitely a worthwhile investment, literally. The next thing is the retirement account. And a lot of you are probably thinking, I don't need to start an I don't need to start a retirement account. I'm literally like 21. But that's the mistake that so many people make. It's that they don't start early enough and then they have to scrap together money once they want to retire in their like 40s or 50s and they have to delay their retirement because they don't have enough money to sustain them. So it is so easy to just open one, throw a couple thousand, however many dollars in there and you don't have to max it out by any means, but just put some money in there that you know you can't touch, invest it and just let it let it make the money for you. There are two different or I guess like three different types of retirement accounts. You have traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, and then your 401k. And I don't really know much about the difference between them, but I think IRAs, the money is not taxed and is also money that you put in yourself. You can't take it out till you're 59 and a half. And then for 401ks, they're sponsored by your employer. So they can match your contributions from your salary. Again, that is literally free money. So if you ever get that opportunity from an employer, definitely take it. And again, invest that money. Let it work for you. Work for literally 40 years until you retire. So you can do this with brokerage accounts like the ones that I had mentioned before. Mine are with Fidelity. And they have really great resources for people who might not know Again, the difference between these things or how to start one or the differences, stuff like that. But those are some of the things that you can get once you've gotten your feet off the ground a little bit with your finances and you're ready to just step it up. Not all of these are necessary, except I'd I'd really recommend you getting a credit card if you don't have one already. But now I'm going to talk more about some tips And these are not tips that I necessarily follow, but are ones that I hope to follow in 2021. So you and me together, all right? So the first one is setting financial goals. And this sounds like very vague because obviously it is very subjective and individual to the person. But it's really important if you're planning on buying a house, for example, or a car, or like the $400 Dior earrings that I've been eyeing for months, whatever it is, it's important that you set a timeline for yourself for when you want to reach that goal, when you want to be able to buy 
that thing and figure out how you can realistically get there. So you can use financial calculators to help you determine how to reach that goal. And that's a lot to do with like your saving and where you're putting your money, if you're investing it, if you're putting it in a CD, stuff like that. But that kind of brings me to my next tip in terms of saving and budgeting. So the most popular budgeting strategy that I've read about many times is the 50-20-30 method or 50-30-20 method. I don't know, but I think it was actually developed by Elizabeth Warren, fun fact. But basically, it's a way of dividing up your your paychecks. So 50% of your paycheck should go towards needs. Those are things like bills, utilities, car payments, groceries, and insurance, things that you really need to have in your life or things that you really need to pay for. 30% goes towards wants. So that is like going out to do basically anything. So going out to eat, going to the movies or concerts, going shopping, your Netflix subscription, Spotify, any memberships like to the gym or yoga, stuff like that. Those are wants. Those are not needs. I know like I, in my mind, I'm like a gym membership is a need. No, it's not. But you know, like 30% should go towards those sorts of things. The last 20% should go to your savings. And again, would strongly recommend putting those savings in a high yield savings account so that you can make more interest and not settle for that 0.01%. Okay. But yeah, I honestly haven't really actively use this rule, but I definitely want to start using it this year. And another thing I want to do is track my spending. You can use an app like Mint, which helps with budgeting. I mean, sort of. I used to use it. I didn't really like it, but some people really, really like it. I would recommend trying it out. I honestly just use Excel and this is an extremely tedious thing, but I sit myself down at the end of the month or whenever it is that my my statement comes out and I look at it I see I categorize every single transaction so I'll divide it up into like shopping versus dining versus groceries slash needs like stuff like that and see how much that I spent that month and just like what category it's in and my bank statement sort of already does that, but like, I just like to do it myself and I don't know, it's, I'm like weird about it, but it sort of, it just helps me get an idea of, wow, like I spent, I spent like $250 this month on shopping. Like I really need to tone it down next month. And it, it's so easy for you to overspend without you realizing like swipe, swipe, swipe that credit card. You don't know how much money is actually leaving your bank account. And again, brings me on to my next tip, spending less money. So this is the hardest part of living in this society, especially in an extremely capitalist society where marketing and advertising and these huge corporations have gotten way too good at analyzing consumer behavior and understanding our psychology and our buying journeys and stuff it's it's honestly crazy like some of the stuff that i've learned in my class and like how much money that these companies are paying just to understand how people go about buying their products i digress 
but it's really hard to not spend money basically is what I'm saying. So really the most effective way to spend less money is just stop going out so much. And I'm sure this has helped a lot of people during the pandemic. Like I'm, I hope that a lot of you saved a lot of money, not saying that the pandemic is good for that, but like, I mean, you know, a somewhat of a benefit is that I spent so much less money. Like I wish I could put a dollar amount to how much I saved during COVID, but like bitch, just stay home, cook at home. Like I love a good dinner party. I did so many dinner parties last semester with my friends and like, Luckily, I have friends who like to cook, so the food was bomb. And if you don't, then I'm very sorry. But, like, I wasn't spending as much money on overpriced food, on clothes, on Ubers, on alcohol, stuff like that. I'm going to the club, blah, blah, blah. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. But, you know, that doesn't stop there. Online shopping is probably also one of my great greatest weaknesses, or at least it used to be. Now I'm just like, I can't find anything I want these days. But I know so many of my friends stay getting swooned by these clothing sales that they see in their Instagram ads and buying shit that they don't actually need. So like stop getting sucked into these ads that are literally targeting you <laughs> and thinking you need something that you actually don't. And this is also at me because I literally bought like a $25 faux fur bucket hat last week. But like, guys, I mean, it hasn't gotten here yet, but I'm like, I saw it and I was like, you know, I haven't spent that much money in the last month and a half. Like, let me just splurge on this bucket hat. But, you know, yeah, I'm not really making a great example of myself, but these sales, everyone thinks that just because something on sale they need to have it. And I used to be so guilty of this behavior, but now I'm just like, no, like if I, if I don't need it, then no. Again, don't talk about the bucket hat. Okay. I needed that. But another random tip I have is to plan your grocery trips and make a list before you go to the grocery store. So grocery stores, again, this is something I learned in my consumer behavior class they literally are so good at taking your money. Like all those impulse buys, I know you are definitely guilty of it. Like you're waiting in line, you're bored, you're just looking around. Oh, like two for one, that's crazy. Or like buy two, get one free, crazy deal. No, don't do that. Don't buy shit that you don't need just because it's on sale. You're just spending more money on stuff that you don't need. So I don't know why I'm getting like so heated about this, but it's also just easier if you have a list. Like, is it not, like, logically speaking, isn't it just much easier if you go in with a list? Like, don't go in having no idea what you want or what you need because I guarantee you will walk out spending, like, $70, $100 for your groceries for the week. I spend, like, 40 to $50 for my groceries a week, and I have never once grocery shopped without a list. Okay, so those are sort of my tips <laughs> on how to spend less money, a new fun budgeting strategy that I hope you and I will both try out this year. But there's so many great resources out there. There's Investopedia, Nerd Wallet, CNBC, Make It, 
Business Insider. They all have so many great articles and resources to teach people like us who are clueless about personal finance because the U.S. education system has failed us and doesn't tell us important things like this. Brokerage accounts usually have really good educational tools as well. So like I have Fidelity. They have so many great resources on how stocks work, how mutual funds work, how to set financial goals, how to open a retirement account. All of that stuff can be found on there. Also, I watch some people on YouTube. So if you're into like, if you're trying to really just integrate it into your daily life, there's Graham Steven on YouTube, Mrs. Dow Jones on Instagram and YouTube, Investing with Rose. Those are all really great resources. And also podcasts, so many great podcasts out there about personal finance. But the fucking internet, it what's the, what's the saying? It's like the world is your oyster. The, the internet is your oyster for personal finance resources. But it's so important that you do your own research. You educate yourself. Don't rely on other people to help you all the time. And like if you live in the United States, you've basically been conditioned to believe that money is the only thing that defines your worth as a human being. Like that's a bit of a dramatic statement, but you know what I mean? And I hate talking about money and finances because it's a very stressful topic and literally gives me so much anxiety on a daily basis, but it's just the truth of the society we live in. But I, again, like cannot say this enough. I still don't know what I'm doing, but this is just stuff that I'm really hoping to understand soon in the future because it, it will help, like it is something that will help you down the line. I really don't want people to feel like they have to have all these things. I think they have to have all these different cards. They have to start investing. Like you do not have to do that. This is just something that I think will get you ahead in life with your money. So I hope by listening to this episode, I hope you're not afraid of dealing with money and that I that it actually becomes something that you get comfortable with this year and learning how to manage it. But I want to wrap up this episode by saying thank you for listening. And if you want to know when new episodes come out, please follow Matcha Mentality on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I hope this helped people out there who might be a little bit confused or scared or just clueless. You are your own person. You do you. Don't follow my advice if you don't want to, but yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode and I will talk to you soon. Bye.